What exactly is the problem with casual relationships and how are you supposed to find the person you need to be with without having them? Well, I think, how about abortion? We That's went right to that. And so it's a minefield, obviously, any discussion of abortion. But one thing I can say about abortion that I think would generate no objection is you wouldn't give one to your sister for a present. <laughs> right. So whatever it is, it's not desirable. And how not desirable it is, is at minimum open to question. So I don't think there's any such thing as a casual sexual relationship. I don't believe that. I've never seen any evidence that that's the case. I think that there are people rationalize that constantly because they want to believe while they want to believe that short-term hedonistic gratification is ethically acceptable. Indeed. And uh, in 2022, no time like this. I mean, there have been times like this. Uh, you can even read the, the Bible about that. But um, what, I'm, what I'm saying is that it has never been good, right, to encourage the short-term hedonistic side of human nature, right? And I don't think it is. I think that it trains you to treat yourself and other people as instrumental objects of short-term pleasure, obviously. Mm -hmm. Well, is that is that how you want to train yourself? How's that going to work in your... You're going to have a long-term relationship at some point? Exactly. So... Uh, and especially, see, in 2022, this is actually not such a problem for men. And here's why. Most men never have such opportunity, right? But most women do. So what happens? If most men aren't doing it, and most women are doing it, right? Having short-term sexual gratification, then what's going to happen? Well, what's going to happen is a large percentage of the population of, of um, you know, a certain population is going to become unattractive to the other side. And then what happens? Well, then what happens is, you know, cat ladyhood, basically. How are you going to train yourself for that? Okay, so having said that, and then, you know, how carefully, how carefully should we conduct ourselves in sexual matters, I would say, well, as carefully as you conduct yourself in any matter of importance, and that might be, that stretches all the way up to the top. I mean, here's the thing. This frame, right, that Jordan's coming from, um, he believes, you know, in uh, don't have bedroom fun before marriage and everybody should get married before marriage. And actually, I think that that would be optimal. But in 2022, if like, you know, let's say a, a, a man is listening to this podcast, he'll hear that and be like, okay, all right, I'll just have, not have bedroom fun before marriage because it's too important, right? Um, but they never had opportunities, so they never had anything to say no to for for a lot of for a lot of men. But for women, that isn't the case, right? And so what I'm saying is, um, men need to work to be able to have that opportunity, and they have to they have to practice to be able to learn f a female nature. Because if they don't know it, then they'll get destroyed in whatever relationship they do have. Uh, whereas women need to avoid. Um, having these casual relationships, because if they don't, then they'll destroy any future relationship they could have. Hello and welcome 
to the Helios blog. My name is Helios here for another reaction video. If you're new to the channel, like in the content, hit that sub, hit all the notifications. If you'd like to support me, I do have a Patreon exclusive content. It's patreon.com slash the Helios blog. Uh, I have different tiers, like one is deleted videos, we have one about uh, RP literature, we have one about RP scientific articles, you can go there and check it out. Um, also, uh, you could drop me a donation like Tom M here, shout out to him, let's continue. Whatever the top is, you know, you're going to treat the other person as if they're a divine locus of consciousness, or a disposable pornographic entity. Well, you know, those are the... Those are the the two ends of the spectrum. Borders. The Madonna. Okay, but then you say, well, you fantasy. have to practice. And there's truth in that. And how do you practice? And the answer is, well, that's one of the central complications of life, right? To, to get the balance between individual action and the whole domain of sexuality and reproduction, right? Is perhaps there's no more difficult question especially once you've solved the question of do you have enough to eat tomorrow mm -hmm. that'd be the next one that pops up mm -hmm. but i don't think there's i don't think there is such a thing as casual sex i think that's indistinguishable from masturbation which i also don't regard as a particularly heroic act and so well t-shirts masturbation right. not a particularly well yeah right right <laughs> right act. and and i think people have that sense and i don't think that that's culturally instantiated because in some sense we've done everything we can to eradicate every last vestige of sexual shame which i think in the final analysis is impossible because there are all sorts of reasons for the persistence of sexual shame that have nothing to do with cultural context and still you know it's an a furtive and underground activity. And the reason for that is because it's suboptimal. For That's right. It is suboptimal. Um, and it's funny because the bedroom fun shame thing he's talking about, um, of course, um, there are biological reasons why um, many women feel ashamed after having casual bedroom fun. It's because they haven't locked down a relationship. And if a woman doesn't lock down a relationship. What is the result of this? Well, the result is she gets older, her value goes down, her end count goes up, she becomes less desirable. And as a result, it's harder to get a relationship in the future, right? So, of course, it's suboptimal. That's why it was culturally ingrained. But again, what's happening is, uh, you know, over time, what's happening is that the culture is trying to make it normalized to do whatever you want, um, regardless of the consequences. And the problem is that there are severe consequences, regardless of what culture says or doesn't say about it. For all sorts of reasons. Well, how much motivation does a young man need to overcome his fear of rejection and establish a relationship with a woman? And the answer to that is, we don't know. But sexual deprivation could easily, easily be part of it. Because you, to do something difficult, you need a lot of motivation. It's true. And in fact, many, many men are afraid to approach. And what's funny is that uh, women now, because they have so many options, they want to normalize it to shame men for approaching, to put men in a metal box for approaching, you know, um, like 
a man, unless he's totally super attractive to women, um, he should be utterly discouraged from ever approaching. That's the that's the modern 2022 frame. And of course, that frame is horrible for men, and it further discourages the bottom 80% of men from doing stuff. So again, what is what is the, the, the point here? The point is that society is pushing for two distinct groups of men, the 20% top guys who can do whatever they want, and the 80% bottom guys who, um, no matter what they try, they get slapped, right? And so what's the message? If you're not lucky, you have no chance. Of course, that's a terrible message, and it's not true, right? Men need to learn that they have some agency in this, that they can work and become one of these top 20% men and actually become successful. Now, the problem is, successful for what? If the girls are out here just sleeping with the top 20% and then trying to lock down a guy at the end of the rainbow, you know, sticking the landing, as it were, why would a man ever put in the effort to become a superior man? What What is the prize? What What kind of girl does he get at the end of it? That's the point. That's why, like, you can't just do whatever you want and there'll be no consequences. You need frustration working for you. You need fear working for you. You need lust working for you you need loneliness working for you to bind a man and woman together especially if they're going to produce children this is a very very difficult thing to do successfully and so anything that interferes with that is to be viewed with extreme skepticism and that's undoubtedly part of the reason that shame around hedonistic sexual activities remains a constant despite our best attempts to eradicate it I think I would also say, um, just from my experience growing up, especially in university, it's not like, like it's. Oh, notice the solipsism, especially from my experiences in university. Let's let's see what she has to say. Being on the outside, having casual sexual relationships as this fun thing. Mm-hmm. Indeed, it's not fun. No, and nobody thinks it's fun, especially women. So if you're around other girls and they're like, oh, yeah, I hooked up with this guy. None of you guys are actually enjoying that. Yeah. Right. And I think that's a lie that women tell each other. Um, Why? Single women keep women single. That's why. Because women lie in an effort to uh, weaken the competition. Because if the competition is weakened, then they have a better chance of locking down Chad. That's, That's actually why. It's competition. I think because they think other people don't care. And because if you do it, it makes you feel bad enough that you're like, well, I don't want to look at that. Whatever's going on there. like maybe- She's telling on herself. All right. Uh, here's an article by Rolo Tomasi. Uh, Into Bedroom Fun Hierarchies, uh, part one. One of the withdrawal symptoms of unplugging from the matrix is usually an overwhelming nihilism that results from being torn away from the previous blue pill preconceptions a man has been conditioned to for most of his life. It's my hope that in the future, RP men will make the necessary interventions and apply what they've learned from their unplugging and RP truths in general towards their sons and daughters, as well as other men they know or are related to. Until then, the process of breaking away from that conditioning is usually going to begin as a result of a traumatic breakup, divorce, or having had the relationship... Uh, equity he thought he'd built a long-term relationship on proved worthless in the face of hypergamy. It's a sad reality of unplugging that it most often starts as a result of emotional anguish, but to pour salt in those wounds is then having to live with the harsh realities that the RP makes men aware of. The more or less everything they'd held onto as an ego investment up to that point was founded on the feminine primary conditioning. And I summed this up in a previous article. 
The truth will set you free, but it doesn't make the truth hurt any less, nor does it uh, make the truth any prettier. <clears throat> and it certainly doesn't absolve you of the responsibility the truth requires. One of the biggest obstacles guys face in unplugging is accepting the hard truths that game forces upon them. Among these is bearing the burden of realizing what you've been conditioned to believe for so long were comfortable ideals and loving expectations that are really liabilities. Call them lies if you want, but there's a certain hopeless nihilism that accompanies categorizing what really amounts to a system that you're now cut away from. <clears throat> it's not that you're hopeless, it's that you lack the insight at this point to see that you can create hope in a new system, one in which you have more direct control. Try to keep this last part in mind as you read what I propose in these next two posts. I read a lot of guys in various forums getting despondent after having the RP make sense to them. But despondency is really a simple lack of not having a path already preset for them to follow. Instead of the easy answers and prerequisite responsibilities that the blue pill and the feminine imperative have ready for him to follow, now in his new awareness he's, asked, he's tasked with making a new path for himself that's both scary and exciting at the same time. Love Styles in our most series of blogging and a book written, my three most popular posts have been the love series, Women in Love, Men in Love, and Of Love and War. Through my SMV graph, uh, though my SMV graph gets the most link backs, these are easily the most viewed posts on Rational Mail. Unfortunately, they're often the most misquoted and misunderstood. One of the toughest revelations of RP is coming to terms with the difference in experience and concept that men and women apply to love. The core principle in women in love is often misunderstood. For different reasons, deliberate or otherwise, both men and women critically misunderstand the main premise so here's the iron rule number six. Uh, women are utterly incapable of loving a man in the way that a man expects to be loved. It's, in its simplicity, this speaks volumes about what the conditions are, uh, about the condition of men. It accurately expresses a pervasive nihilism that men must either confront and accept or be driven insane in denial for the rest of their lives when they fail to come to terms with the disillusionment. Women are incapable of loving men in a way that a man idealizes as possible in a way he thinks she should be capable of. Most critics of my differing assessment of how either gender interprets and considers love tend to blow past this last part. They oversimplify my meaning and spot around something to the effect of, that Tomasi guy thinks that women can't ever really love them. What preposterous garbage. Of course, that isn't my assertion, but I understand the want to dismiss this notion, particularly for men and women invested in the idea of e egalitarianism. It's a threat to the ego investment that men and women are anything less than fully equal and rational agents who come together for each other's mutually agreeable benefit. The simple fact of women's innate hypergamy puts the lie to this presumption, as well as confirms the relevancy of women's constant qualitative conditional um, for whom they'll love. I think it's ironic that the same people who disparage this concept are among the first to readily embrace the pop psychology notion of love languages. I get why the premise pisses off women and feminized men. It's very unflattering to be accused of loving men from a position of opportunism. However, it's important to understand that I don't make this observation to condemn the way women approach love, although I'm sure it will follow. My point isn't to presume right or wrong. Um, there are beneficial and detrimental aspects to both women's opportunistic approach to love and men's idealistic approaches to love. That said, I happen to believe that the differing ways men and women love each other evolve to be complementary to the other for the betterment of our species. For all the OMG, I can't believe this RP a-hole thinks women really can't love men in this direction. I should point out that well-intentioned men, especially the newly RP ones, are also guilty of the same oversimplification. There's an attempt to find validation in the trauma of having been cut away from their prior blue pill conditioning. A similar, Rollo says women can't really love men, of course, it's also clear to me now, satisfies a simplistic need for confirmation of their former condition.
And again, it's not a right away, uh, right or wrong way of loving. It's the lack of recognizing a difference and being on the punishing side of the lack. Most men will want to apply their concepts of honor or justice in assessing how right men's idealistic love is, while women still see the inherent value in loving what a man is as a prerequisite for loving who a man is. Hypergamy doesn't care about men's idealistic expectations of love, but neither does men's rationality make concessions for it facilitates women's opportunistic approach to love. Uh, so this is from the RP subreddit. My whole life, I've had it nailed into me that I'd be able to find true love if I was honest and hardworking. As I grew older, it was, if I'm somewhat fit and have a good job making 60 to 80k a year, I'll find that beautiful girl that loves me as I love her. As I've stated on many occasions, it's men who are the true romantics. Granted, it's the unthoughtful result of centuries of evolved courtly love, but in the realm of what qualifies as a true act of romance, it's men who are primary actors. It's men who make or want to make romance happen. And of course, therein lies the problem. A man cannot make romance happen. For all a man's creative, uh, imaginative endeavors to manufacture romance that will endear a woman to him, his trying to do so is what disqualifies his intent. For every carefully pre-planned date night after marriage, there's a college girl swooning to bang a boyfriend living in a, in a crab hole, sheets over the windows, furniture from the dumpster, pounding crappy beer and sleeping on a soiled mattress on the floor. Romance isn't created. Romance just happens. And it's a tough but valuable lesson when men come to realize that a happenstance bag of Skittles or a ring made from a gum wrapper at the, at the right time meant more to a woman than every expensively contrived romantic getaway he never thought would satisfy a need for lofty romance. <clears throat> An important part of the RP is learning that the most memorable acts of love a man can commit with a woman are acts of spontaneity and never apparently and overtly planned. This is a source of real frustration for man since his BP conditioning expects the opposite and his romantic nature uh, wants her to love him as he loves her, conspires with his problem-solving nature, thus prompting him to ever greater romantic planning for what he hopes will be an appreciated, reciprocated love. Okay, back to the video here. Maybe me feeling bad is not healthy. Right. Like, I'm not sh- and it means it's, there's it's something bad. wrong with it's, you. Yeah, or there's something wrong with you, right? right? And right. so it's like... And it's unpleasant enough that you're like, well, I'll just, you know, keep going. It's already happened. There's nothing yeah. I can do about it. So it might as well be okay because what am I going to do about uh, what am I going to do about it if it's not okay? She's describing rationalization, the hamster after the fact. So these girls they sleep with Chad, and then later on they rationalize that it's okay, and that's she's admitting that that's what she did basically. Yeah. So and then you know, and I think this is pretty common for women in university to hook up with people. Right. It's called hookup culture. There's Tinder. Like it, it happens. But I like for anybody out there who's who's thinking maybe I don't want to do that. It's not fun. It doesn't yeah, make well, you feel of, good. It's really makes you really lonely. Right. It's not yeah, a good why idea. Do you think it makes you lonely. I think uh, I can answer that. Why does it make you lonely? Because you're not achieving what like, you know, the, the goal of women is, which is to get a relationship with a man of value. Right. Um, a relationship with the top 20% man. If you just sleep with him and you don't secure the relationship, then you feel used. That's why it makes you unhappy. I think because what you're looking for, what you're looking for is, is a connection with somebody. Indeed. And, and you're, so what you're does getting that mean? this physical is- connection and you're not getting any emotional connection. And it's... Right, and then there's the contradiction. There's juxtap- be- oh, yeah. it's a terrible contradiction. Yeah. And well, it's not even a connection, really. Right? Like... You're giving the most valuable thing that a girl can give a man, right? Well, the most valuable is a child, but you're giving him the, the opportunity to have a child, right? 
Um, and he hasn't given you the most valuable thing a man can give a woman, which is a relationship, right? Uh, basically, a promise of uh, provisioning and protection in the for the long term. Yeah, and right. it's well. Here's yeah. here's an interesting thing I used to tell my clients: is don't do anything with anyone sexually that you wouldn't talk to them about. Seems it's like, well, I wouldn't talk to anybody about that. It's like. But, but you'll act it, it out, yeah, eh? Yeah. So Literally. that's worth thinking about. So you're not intimate enough with them to have a conscious discussion, but you're perfectly willing to blunder stupidly into it, mm-hmm. and then and then risk the aftermath. A lot of that. Indeed, that's uh, actually that that's a very that's a very good way of of putting it, right? You you don't have any level of connection. But again, the point is that Jordan is missing that there's two sides of hypergamy, right? There's the AF side and the BB side. So the BB side is don't have bedroom fun until you can discuss it, right? But he's not taking into account that like a lot of women, what they do is they want to get the genes now and get the provisioning later, right? Because when they're 18 to 23, this is the best time for them to secure the genes, right? And so their, their evolutionary biological nature, that's what it's, you know, pushing them to do. Um, now, of course, before culture and, and you know, the parents and everybody would teach you, like they, they would teach women not to do this, right? Um, because of, you know, that the potential negative consequences. And you, you can see the negative consequences now. The consequences are what? Guys don't want to marry you um, because you have too, too high an end count. Guys don't want to deal with you because you have too much trauma from your past. Um, you know, uh, you gain more and more demands, which makes you, uh, you know, uh, reject more and more guys, which makes you even less likely to have a relationship and by extension children, etc. That's fueled by alcohol too. Yeah, like a, a lot, lot of it is fueled, yeah. like all of it. Yeah. You're not going to do yeah, that If we ever had a, wanted to have a serious conversation about... That's another her telling on herself. No, plenty of people do it sober sexual impropriety on campuses, for example, the first thing we'd focus on is alcohol. But we don't want to have a serious conversation about that because, you know, we don't want to have, well, we don't want to have chaperoned parties like there were in the 1950s. You know, it's like, well, you know, having some older people around to keep the the drunken orgy under control actually turns out not to be such a bad idea. Turns out not to be such a bad idea. Indeed, for the civilization. A lot of the stuff that they had that has now been disposed of, that has been done away with, a lot of that stuff was actually very, very, like, helpful, useful. A lot of it. Especially people who um, are non-biased, right? Are unbiased. Who are just there saying, well, this doesn't look like it's going well. Maybe I'll help this person out. Yeah, well, it's, instead of a group of friends, they're like, "No, do it!" Like, yeah, right. Well, which is exactly <laughs> a bunch of what, doorknobs running right. into each other. Well, that's yeah. what you get with alcohol too. Is that yeah, alcohol is really alcohol is a drug that really radically decreases people's medium to long term orientation. Right, it really focuses you on the present, which makes it if it's a good drug for you, it makes it unbelievably fun. Because it decreases anxiety mm-hmm. and it increases likely opiate bonding and dopamine mediated extroversion. And so, like, it's cocaine, heroin, and a benzodiazepine rolled into one. And so, it makes you not care. And for, for pure hedonism, there's nothing better than not caring. 
Yeah. Right, exactly. Alcohol is a catastrophe on many fronts because of that. And a huge proportion of violent crimes, exploitative crimes, rapes, a huge yeah. proportion of those are conducted between drunk people. Very interesting. So there you go. Um, okay. Anyway, let's go on to the Reddit post. Uh, okay. So the guy is 25 and his girlfriend is 22. I caught my girlfriend in a lie and I'm shocked how sophisticated the lie was. So again, this was posted two days ago on relationship advice. Basically, my girlfriend lied to me saying she was meeting, meeting up with two girlfriends for a night out. Yeah, no girls night out. So that's one of the relationship rules. But instead went to a different friend's hotel party room with other guys and girls. She's not cheated, but she's lied about her whereabouts. Yeah, which means she's basically testing you to see how, how far she can get away with lying so that later on when she wants to cheat, she can easily. That's the idea. Okay. So, uh, holy. Okay, let's just read the TLDR. My girlfriend told me she was going on a night out to a club event with her two girlfriends and accidentally bumped into a friend's hotel room party with other guys and girls and had pre-drinks there who were also going to the same event. Her friend, whose hotel room it was, asked me to come along too, but she lied and said that her boyfriend is busy and never asked me. What actually happened is my girlfriend lied to me and went to the hotel room by herself. There was never any night out planned for her and her girlfriends. And then went out with this group of guys and girls. She knew two of the eight people there. She stuck to the story despite me asking her several times about her night in detail. My gut knew something didn't add up. Her two girlfriends were nowhere to be seen in social media stories or snaps. Later, her friend, who rented the hotel room and I trust, mentioned she came by herself to this hotel room party and thought that it was planned and not a quote-unquote chance encounter. My girlfriend basically lied to my face and I've not brought it up yet because I'm trying to convince myself that my girlfriend is incapable of lying to me. Yeah, well, maybe you thought she was, but clearly she's not. Okay. Let's see uh, what the top comment is. 687 upvotes. How much investigation do you need to convince yourself? 246 upvotes. I feel like no relationship is worth having uh, to turn into Sherlock Holmes or Benoit Blanc to try and figure things out. If I'm ever at, a point, at that point in the relationship, I'll just leave. The trust is more than gone. Uh, yeah. Uh, 1.7k. You're a fool if you stay with this woman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh... 313 upwards. She has daddy issues. She lies to him at first. You helped her to feel better, but now you're just like her father. So you get treated like him. She needs therapy. You need out. Good luck. Uh, 128 upwards. This girl used to treat me like a king before. I generally can't fault her relationship, but I think this is all an act. Before, uh, because when she ran away whilst we were on holiday, she said this is the real me now. Things went to crap afterwards. Even on holiday, she had to lie to her dad that she was out with me and a family relative. She had to lie about New York because her dad didn't want her going out. 122 upvotes. Sounds like she's using you as your cover. Sounds like she regularly uses people as covers. Right. So she's just a liar and she's going to go and cheat, basically. Okay. Well, now that you know, you know, right? Just end the relationship. Okay, guys, we're going to end the episode there. If you're new to the channel, like in the content, hit the sub, hit all for notifications. Uh, if you'd like to support me, I do have a Patreon with exclusive content, patreon.com slash the blog. Just go there and uh, you can subscribe to one of the three tiers or all three, whatever. Um, so the first one is uh, deleted videos. We also have RP literature and RP scientific articles explained, of course. Um, you can also drop me a donation like Tom M here. Link is in the description. Again, guys, thanks so much for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to the, end of the video. I really do appreciate it. You guys are wonderful and I will see you next time.